Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 124 of Midweek Metagame. I'm HerMTG, joined by my two regular co-hosts, Patrick Robertson. Hello, it's nice to be here. And Gavin Asif. Hey guys, hey everyone. Well, well, well. It's quite unusual to have the full podcast all assembled here ready to record. Not exactly on a Wednesday, but I think you lot will take a Thursday as best that we can do. Um, this week today, though, we're not here to talk about our recording schedule. We're here to talk about some magic. I'm sure many of you know Gab and I did take a trip to Germany to the car market studio. So we will probably be doing some sort of summary about that. Played a lot of paper magic, talked a lot about magic. So that was a great week. Uh, for me, it was 10 days, but whatever. And then obviously there has been a few modern tournaments as well as, for those who really used to listen to the podcast, we used to do Modern and Pioneer every week and then just went to Modern. We're back with the Pro Tour, or, yeah, it is called the Pro Tour, um, with the Pro Tour coming back on Pioneer. Obviously, we're going to be getting back into that format, trying to keep you guys updated with that metagame as well. So, obviously, we will be talking about some Pioneer today as well, too. But before we get into things, like I kind of mentioned there, the podcast is sponsored by Card Market. For those who don't know who they are, it's a marketplace online to buy anything Magic the Gathering related. Singles, deck boxes, sleeves, playmats, you gotta go check them out. You can even buy other card games on there like Flesh and Blood, and even now Digimon, as well as Yu-Gi-Oh! Pokemon, all them. They're amazing. Shout out to Card Market. Uh, go check them out, cardmarket.com, cardmarket.eu. As well as, if you would personally like to support the podcast, best place, best place to do so is at patreon.com slash midweekmetagame. No pressure to do so, but that's the best place to support us. And I think we should start off this episode with a thank you. Because I wasn't expecting um, to meet any patrons when we went to Germany. But surprisingly, Philip came out to see us at one of the FNMs that Gab and I attended. And it was really great to kind of meet you. So I guess we should start this off with a thank you for supporting the podcast for as long as you have. Yeah, thanks, Philip. That's that's the guy who who you played in the future match, right? The the guy who was playing four color with Archmage Charm. Yeah, for someone else. Yeah. No, no, yeah. Philip played four color Archmage's Charm Yorion, and he asked me to, you know, he asked me to sign some cards, and I was like, okay, let me sign the cheapest card in your deck. And then I found out that he had fully foiled alternate art, uh, four color control Yorion. So I was like, damn. Yeah. So the cheapest. No wonder we can afford to. No wonder we can afford to sub to the podcast. <laughs> yeah i was like dang i was like what's your cheapest card he was like uh alternate art solitude i was like what the heck <laughs> i was like what the heck <laughs> so i signed some signed some solitudes as well as someone else got me to sign two jaces that's what i didn't understand as i was standing next to you gab a guy came up to me and he's like yeah can you sign my jaces i was like are you talking to me <laughs> 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 yeah, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, so that that was great. But uh, overall, what signing things? Say that again. Is that your first time being asked to sign things? No, no, I've actually signed things in the past. Ironically, or coincidentally, I should say, I actually have signed four prismatic endings by Belana, who came second in the modern challenge this week. We'll probably talk about his deck later. I've signed his four prismatic endings. Also, like, once someone asked me to sign Stoneforge Mystics, and I was like, okay, they're like, oh, I don't have a pen. I'll come back later, and then they never came back. But oh, no. that's okay, kind of the worry. only stuff I remember signing. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. I guess, like, it sort of counts if they don't come back with a pen, but they asked. They wanted it signed, but not really that much. True, true. Well, 
Overall, though, Germany was really sick. I wasn't expecting to do so much. Um, Gab and I, you know, we, we recorded, like, every day, plus played Magic on top. Yeah, no, it was fun. It wasn't the longest days I've worked, but it was it, it was fun. We recorded some videos for Card Market, uh, Modern, Pioneer, Novan Modern. Um, we got to, to Cube Draft, Chaos Draft. Even I played a home game, a poker home game, where... I was in for 20 euros and I was up to like a couple hundred euros and then just lost every hand for the next three hours. And Tor Alf ended, ended up busting me on the on kind of a bad beat, but it was fun, honestly. And people were super nice and took care of us. And yeah, it was, it was fun. Yeah, no, I also played in that poker game and I also busted. That was great. Um, what was it? I was like, I was up. How how much was I up? I was up 40 euros, and then I slowly bled 20 euros, so I was up 20 euros. And I was like, okay, I'll go all in on my next best hand for the bands, and then I'll leave. So then I got, like, pocket nine, so I was like, okay, you know, raise, okay, all in. And then the guy called me in at aces. I was like, fuck. So I, I lost I lost uh, my 20 euros and, and went home. Sometimes you just got to go home, you know? You just got to pay, pay money to go home. Yeah. But overall, though, really good week, I guess... Um, for those who don't know what we did, like we did go record magic videos, gameplay videos, similar to like the command zone style stuff, where it's like high quality matches, uh, me versus Gab, and that'll be on Card Market's YouTube channel. So sh shout out to them. Um, it was really, really well organized. Carl, the manager at Card Market, is insane. I've never met someone who's able to work sixteen days in a row. We're working on little sleep and act like it's no big deal. Literally yeah. sixteen days Incredible. in a row. So incredible. Yeah. yeah, shout out to Card Market and especially to Carl and all the magic players from Berlin. Yeah, but um, I guess we should get into the modern challenge. As normal, Gab, you're very good at analyzing this stuff. Was there anything that you thought we should look at from the get-go? Yeah, I was looking at the numbers and there's not any really new archetypes, even though there was a couple of crazy builds. There was a, a crazy build of Tron that made top eight was... The white chancellor, the one that you can reveal to force spike a spell, and they can cast it through chromatic orrery, the card's called. It was it was weird, but there's actually free Tron. So there was like two challenges and a super qualifier. And um yeah, I played in one of them. I played my uh trusty Omnap deck and as usual I won every match except for one match against Hammer Time where they were just on the draw, and they just had really good draws game one and three. They actually ended up making top top eight, and then I lost one match where I uh, I, I timed out. Just I can't seem to not time out at least one match for challenge. It's been really frustrating. But I mean, the deck is slow. But uh, yeah, that was bad. And then I lost in the seven strand i think i got paired against canister that was fun he was on living in this weekend or at least for that challenge and i think i just miss i miss sequence my land in the third game and it cost me the game he he kind of got me he forced some negation my abundant growth and then it's it set me off i couldn't cast somnath on curve and kind of snowball so i was a little, a little careless there so you do the classic thing that you always do where you just fetch a basic to put your abundant growth on and it really edit punish you no, like he, it was hard cast on turn four. Okay, all right. Or oh. turn three. 
yeah. I've, just, I've seen this happen to you a few times though where you kind of your fetching is really conservative like you'll just go get basics as often as you possibly can and it's probably right more often than not but i was just wondering if it won't yeah sometimes it comes back to bite you and i was wondering if it was one of these times yeah no i i lose an incredible amount of games because i uh fetched a wrong land i'm conservative on my life total and you can end up can't you end up getting punished a lot of the time because you get a basic and then down the line you need to cast like iteration into counterspell or iteration to ren and six and get that one basic that kind of throws you off so yeah there's a, I, there's a lot of a lot of demand on the blue mana blue mana in that deck you know between you know exactly those two cards you mentioned i guess yeah trying to double spell in the mid game when you don't have uh, a lot of abundant growth and you fetch up a bunch of basics can be quite difficult yeah no it's it's kind of honestly almost annoying you have to think about which land to fetch i haven't been able to like kind of auto pilot the land fetching every every hand is slightly different there are some things you know you get used to you know having being ready to have iteration mana in case you draw it that's that's a pretty big deal in case they they you know the the the, the them countering a bottom gross or sometimes people will like even use march of the otherworldly light on your bottom gross that's that's pretty rare but the the whole like fetching trying to balance fetching basics for ice fang and life total and shock lands have good mana it's it's kind of tough but yeah i'm still i'm still happy with omnath it's a ton of fun to play um, I was ask, I, you've been doing a bit of experimenting this week though with, with with the deck right just kind of trying to find out whether or not you like it in the more kind of conventional ragavan build or if you want to go over to kind of having a little bit of like blink ephemerate package yeah that's a question i was getting the most this weekend whether or not I thought Ragavan was better than playing some Wittes and Ephemerate because Sneaky Misato has been championing a Blink version and other people have been playing, getting away from Ragavan and playing a, kind of that Blink package. They usually play a couple out of Emery Skull with a couple of Wittes, maybe one Endurance in the main deck and a couple of Ephemerates. You've seen people go a bit more all out, play um, you know DP Martinez, top aided with Wall of Omens and four Ephemerate version of the deck. You've seen, um, you know, so, so I tried to play the Blink version a bit to get a feel, and I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. I even tried the Ragavan and the Blink stuff, you know, trimming on other cards. That didn't go so well result-wise, but I think it was just quick O2 drop where I had, like, you know, I kind of got nutted, but whatever. So I don't know if there's a great answer, honestly. I feel like they're all fine. It doesn't seem to matter. There was three players who top eighted was Omnav this weekend out of you know the free tournament so out of 24 and they all had slightly different builds one was actually playing ragavan and ella demry skull but they were not playing witness and ephemerate they were just playing call to get the the one endurance the one fury and more Omnav. and that was kind of my experience with ella demry skull i didn't expect it to necessarily like it but it was good at just having more Omnath. I felt like that was the the the, the use I what I used it the most for is just get Omnath. So and, and that's what that player did. They didn't I think maybe they had the one endurance, but they weren't playing they weren't even playing a witness, they weren't playing anything too too weird. I think and you, I'm, you and I spoke about that uh, a couple of weeks ago actually, where you just you know put a couple a couple of Eldamaris called to kind of boost the number of Omnaths in your deck. And, and and you seem to like that a lot. It doesn't seem like too much of a stretch to go a bit further and just have like the one witness and you know maybe one ephemerate or so in your in your deck. Because it seems to me that ephemerate witness package essentially just gives you the the late game inevitability that you would need to kind of 
win, you know, most of the heads up matchup, I would, I would guess where you can kind of, you know, you just snowball the, the witness ephemerate loop while everyone else is like kind of like big haymaker cards in the four color mirror trade, trade off with one another. Is it the sort of thing where you can just kind of shave one copy of a solitude and like go down to one, one fury and, you know, just find just enough numbers to fit in the bare minimum amount of uh, tutor package? Yeah, it's possible. Maybe, maybe call. Maybe the price of you know paying a couple mana in the early games not that high. It's also a white card that pitches to solitude and having more calls in in your deck in the late game means that instead of drawing you know maybe a solitude you didn't really need or fury you didn't really need, you get to like just maybe tutor OMF over and over or get the, the answer you need. So it is really nice that it pitches to solitude too. That's all um, upside, but. It's so hard to know. Ragavan is so powerful, but also comes with a decent bit of variance. Sometimes they just kill it. You know, usually they just kill it turn one, but when they don't, it's usually really good. But sometimes when they don't kill it, it's, uh, you know, it's also pretty matchup dependent. I think in the mirror, I would probably want to be on the two witness to ephemerate side just because the deck has a lot of ways to get rid of Ragavan and you know, you're maybe better set up for the late game, but maybe in other matchups that don't really interact that much with you, turn one regimen's really huge. And even in the mirror, sometimes you just get lucky. Or, you know, my favorite draw in the deck by far is when you're on the play and you have turn one Ragavan, turn two Ren, I feel like it's almost impossible to lose almost no matter what the matchup is because you play Ragavan, they have to kill it, and then you get to play Ren uncontested and you're just ahead on every... It's just so obscene. But that's and if it. you that's a sequence from the kind of Jun Lurus decks from a few a few months ago that was pretty much unbeatable in that spot. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't have Ragavan in your deck, then you can't have these these opening hands, you know, the 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 Ragavan into Ren and Six on the play is just so so strong. So hard to say. Um I guess at least it's nice for people who didn't want to spend money on Ragavan that now they have a a viable option you know and it's it's uh it's been I, I was i was pretty happy honestly was the the witness the, the calls ephemerate i thought it was pretty solid so I, I don't have a strong feeling honestly um one way or the other i mean i i've i've always been impressed by eladomri's call whenever i've played against four color control just because of its flexibility and in terms of ragavan i just feel like you're trying to play all the best cards in modern, so I definitely think that I would just try and fit it all, right? I'm, I mean, I obviously it's easy to say that, but I, I think that you have 80 cards. You're, you're on the right. You're on the right line of thought, I think, Harry, though, where Ella Damry's call seems like, and Witness Ephemerate, seems like it fits more cohesively into the plan of the deck in general, right? Like, you know, if you were to kind of, in your mind, craft up, like, the sort of cards you want to put into a deck, like, like this four-color deck that kind of blink package fits fits them all perfectly and ragavan doesn't really but it's just such a standalone powerful good card that like it's so hard to ignore mm. i think i think you know what, what gab said where like you know there's no right or wrong answer and it's just you know pick what works for you and what matchups you want to win necessarily is uh probably the best way to go but i i, I definitely agree that having options where you don't have to put ragavans in your deck is you know, it's it's at least a, a good thing for modern in general yeah what well, one thing that i kind of I'm wondering is is the power of this deck from the cards that you cast or the mana base right because if you had like I feel like with the new triumphs coming out isn't the mana base going to be almost perfect now 
I don't think the triumphs are going to make a big difference. You're you're happy with the two triumphs. You're not going to play more because you don't want the lands that come into play tapped. Mm-hmm. You might swap, you know, one of the triumphs for you know the band triumph. There's some, you know, um, I, I, you know, especially if you're playing a the version with witness and you have a bunch of endurance. The the double green can be a little tricky when you have to fetch for raw green triumph on turn one because that's what you need. You need you need you need your white and. And then down the line, it, it makes things a little awkward. So it's it's going to be like, I think, nearly irrelevant. Uh, you don't okay. think sort of situation where we, you're going to wind up playing four triumphs. You just play all the ones that are just seamlessly on color and just have that in your back. Just except nah. you've got some extra si- tap lands, but also cycle in the mid game. Um, I don't know. You have a bottom growth. You have a lot of. You know, especially if you're playing Ragavan, I think that's almost important. You know, you, you almost definitely do not want more than two triumphs. Maybe if you're playing a version that doesn't play Ragavan, you don't have as many one drops. Maybe you want you want a third one, but I feel like two is probably going to be the right number. Yeah, and to answer also Harry's question, I think the power of the deck is just mostly Omnath. That card's just mm. so good. It, that's that's the reason. You know, there's. You're, you're like, oh, maybe I can make my mana better and play Jeskai or play Ban or play... But then you're like, man, I just add like... It's not even... It's almost free, you know? And and people have been complaining about it. I don't know if it's a valid complaint. The people are like, oh... I saw a tweet recently saying you shouldn't be able to... It, it's not healthy that you can play four-color Elnaf and have Magus of the Moon in your sideboard. I, I don't know. I'm not a fan of, of these stakes, you know? Just... That's- that's just the rules of modern. I, I don't. Yeah, it feels like you're just complaining to complain. Yeah, well, you you, you went to the website of complaining. <laughs> yeah. I'm just really grateful that Twitter limits people's complaints to 20, 28, 280 characters. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys see the the hot takes like oh threads no. that popped up at the time? The 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 lukewarm take thread. Yeah, it's like the takes that get you canceled. And then it's oh, just like, like I don't know so I don't know where it started, but in which category? I, I think the first time I saw it was share your music take that'll get you cancelled. And then I think it was maybe Carmen who who adapted it to magic and I think yeah. it was a Watsy employee. Because a Watsy yeah, employee was, said they were talking yeah, about it. Yeah, Car Carmen is oh, okay, okay. yeah. And yeah, I don't know how I feel about it. I mean I guess it's good if People put some of the truth out there, but I feel like so maybe a little negative and, and I saw, in uh, some ways. I saw a few kind of extensions of the of the fact this morning, which is kind of like these takes are nowhere near hot enough to be to be considered the takes you get cancelled for. Please DM me the true takes that you want to share. I promise I'll keep it secret. <laughs> yeah, I did. Well, I actually found some very interesting takes, but I won't repeat them on the podcast. But that was yeah. just like. The people who actually gave the cancelable takes didn't get any traction, and then the other takes where it's like, ooh, I think there should be a sixth land, just get a billion likes. So it's just like... Just First of all, this person's never heard of Wastes. And yeah. also, I just feel like the Twitter algorithm will promote to me the people who have enough kind of like stake in equity in like their Twitter account that they wouldn't post a take that would actually get them cancelled. <laughs> yeah. The more followers you have, the more likely you are to get yeah, it was definitely an interesting Twitter thread. I honestly just use MTG Twitter as entertainment every now and then. I used to actually read it, but now I just like scroll five five minutes a day, Max. Yeah. 
anyways, there was, uh, yeah, there was three modern tournaments. I went through the results real quick. There was 11 different archetypes represented, which is, I'd say a tiny bit on the low side for three different top eights. Usually I feel like we get 10, 11 for just two top eights. So maybe, maybe, you know, kind of people, uh, how do you say condensing, you know, just less, less weird archetypes. There was the, that new take on Tron and it was Yendrek that qualified for the PT was his own take on, uh, on blue red. He was just playing blue red was no, um, dragon rage Chandler, just Ragavan. And he added a, a white slash for to fairy time raveler and, and prismatic ending. And he was playing some Jace, like kind of classic Yendrek style. I think snapcaster made it a little more control-ish. So congrats to him. And it was actually the first time he, he qualified for a new, a new rich, an arena championship. And I think he even said the first time he ever qualified for any kind of pro tour, but I don't, don't quote me on that second part. So huge congrats to him. You know, um, I think he listens to podcasts. He's a big modern streamer and uh, he, you know, he, 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 he used the reverse jinx masterfully on, on Twitter, something about getting a good walk, grabbing a good breakfast just to go O2 drop. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, not not exactly an OT drop, and uh, yeah, there was also Odian Danielekos who keeps crushing with blue red Murktide. There was the big winner of the weekend was Hammer Time, I believe, five copies out of twenty four, and all of them playing uh, the, the blue splash for Reality Chip, uh, usually Spell Pierce in the main deck, some to Fairy Time Raveler. Uh, I've been impressed when I've played against that deck. That was. You know, in my one my one challenge screen is kind of the only deck that quote unquote beat me fair and square, where you know they just had good draws. I I didn't I didn't draw any of my like free spells like Furies or Force of Vigor, so I I couldn't catch up. Yeah, but yeah, Hammer Times. I feel like Hammer Times been on a downswing since the uh, the the ban the ban announcement for Lurus, just because you know people were trying new things and maybe the loss of Lurus was impacting the power. Of people you know thinking that it impacted the power of the deck, but these blue these blue splash lists are very very scary to play against. I completely agree with you. Like reality chip, obviously like a big winner in the in the long game, but just these access to the disruption and the freedom to play cards like Teferi Time Raveler out of the board, like you said, is just adds an extra dimension to the to the to the combo deck that that really really puts the pressure on you. Yeah, I haven't played the deck myself, but I've been impressed whenever I played against the deck, and I was actually surprised we weren't seeing more Hammer Time. I feel like there was a few weeks, couple of weeks where. Hammer Time didn't do especially well, and I was wondering if it was underplayed, if, you know, it was just my Hammer Time curse where I just can't beat Hammer Time anymore for some reason. Uh, no matter what I play, whenever I get paired against Hammer Time, I, I just I just find a way to lose. Or, you know, if I just had, you know, kind of a bad matchup against Hammer Time, but Hammer Time lined up poorly against some of the other decks in the format. Mm. So... I'm I'm kind of not surprised to do it do well. I've been really impressed by the the reality chip as a card. I think spell pierce is amazing. I've been you know, kind of championing spell pierce in Murktide for a long time now, and you know almost everyone just plays two copies in the main now. Uh, it's just so strong with Ragavan, and it's just strong there too because you have all these cheap spells, and you're sometimes keeping mana up anyways. Just plays out nicely. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I played against Hammer Time actually on paper, um, and the reality chip almost 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 beat me both games that they fetched it with Stoneforge Mystic because that's ultimately is why it's in the deck where I just tutor it with Stoneforge when you need it. And I think that really does help out the deck. The deck is just has so much staying power. 
I, I often kind of before the Lurus bands, I, I haven't played against Hammer since since they banned Lurus, and but before that, I would always be like, this is sort of deck that just grinds you into the into the dust. And then they banned Lurus, and I was like, is that really going to make a difference? Because I was always just losing to like Saga plus Stoneforge Mystic plus like Reality Chip. Like that sort of grind was already getting me. The Lurus didn't even really come into play too much. I was already dead by the time any of that happened. Yeah, I feel like Lurus took a kind of a, a backseat even before the ban. You know, obviously. Ever since Saga got printed, I didn't feel like I was losing to Lurus almost ever. You know, the, the, the only spot another for... next Lurus was a big deal, but in this one, it felt like it's just a kind of gravy yeah. on top of an already incredibly resilient combo deck. Yeah, 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 yeah. Better things to do. Kind of the, the only matchups I felt where I felt the the Lurus pain was in maybe when I was playing Living In, and when you know maybe you can work your way through the first spell bomb but then you've got that ticking time bomb of them getting a lurus and you have to to finish them off real quick or else they start rebuying spell bombs so i would not be surprised if this is not the last we see of hammer doing well again i think the, the kind of honeymoon period's over and reality is about to set back in again yeah um yeah that was you know i, I played a, a bit of modern in berlin i played bit of that model black coffers deck i know spike was considering it for scg dallas this weekend and i haven't played it a ton but i felt like the deck's not quite tier one i feel like the fairy time Ravler is a bit too good when you're playing four profane tutors and i haven't quite find the right mix i cut all the expedition map and i was getting a lot of uh you know people were saying that was probably a mistake but i also didn't want to have you know, do, do not impact the board in the first few turns. And I felt like Profane Tutor was doing a decent job at finding your lands, but m maybe a mix. It'll be interesting to see if that deck is good. And the Black Green deck, Harry, right? We've both played that Black Green deck a bit more, the the Rock kind of yeah. Saga deck. And that, that deck's super solid. It's nothing flashy, but every time I play it, uh, I'm fairly impressed. Yeah, I really like... Um... Elvish Reclaimer both being kind of like an engine and a, and a win condition. It feels a lot like Dragon Rage Chandler uh, in a sense that if you want to like not control your draws but improve your mana or your value, it's there. And then you can beat down with three power if you need it. As well as my favorite card in the deck, I didn't like it at the start, but Witherbloom Command. I thought that the card was kind of weak when I first looked at it. It didn't make sense to me. But then when I played around, I would say, 10 to 15 matches on paper, I realized it's just two mana killer thing, try and get a saga or a land, which was really good. So I ended Tell up keeping a lot of land light hands. Sorry? Tell me more about Witherbloom Command. Um, I think that it's really good against Hammer Time, like kill your Memnite and your Sigarda's Aid or your Springleaf Drum. That came up. I think that it's really good against, like, Ragavan. Kill your Ragavan, get a land. Kill your Chandler, get a land. Kill your x one, get a land. That's kind of why it's there. Um, as well as it kills Renin 6, which is nice. So, like, that card just really is, like, a really good turn 2 play. It's also nice playing with Dark Confidant on again. That felt great. Um, playing a deck that Teferi Time Raveler isn't very good against, even though you're mid-range, felt great. Like, they tap out on turn 3 for Teferi, like, okay, Lily Vale. Stuff like this. Um, I think that overall the deck is really powerful. I think that the only thing that I would try to improve is that, I don't know if you've felt this as well, Gab, but I feel like the deck floods out quite easily. 
Oh, really? With Saga and Reclaimer flooding out? Um, I'm not sure I've had that, that issue. Witterbloom Command is is very good in some matchups. It is the you know one of the cards you also board out the most because there's also a lot of matchups where it doesn't do much, but it is key dealing with Sigat Arzade, uh, Amulet of Vigor, some really annoying permanence is a big deal. The two for one is is super nice too. And yeah, a lot of people ask why not just play Jaunt? You know, you're missing out on Renan 6, maybe Ragavan and whatnot. And I don't have a great answer. All I say is that you already have more cards than... You know, you already can't fit everything you want to fit in. You know, I was trimming on Confident to to play more of some other cards. And I'm, I'm happy with every card in the deck, you know. And I guess it's just the the subtle difference. You, you know, you have one less color, which obviously is always going to be impactful. So, I don't know, save a few life against Burn. Or the fact that you get to play more utility lands, you know, the Golgari Rot Farm has been really good for me. The, the Bounce Land, the, the I saw the Treat of Village be good for Harry, even though I ended up cutting it. So you know, it's these little things that that are not like super super flashy, but they they add up. You know, when yeah. when you're playing one less color, it's there's obviously going to be you know, so you're going to gain from that. So yeah, you're, you're amazing on the red and six, but even if you manage to be really conservative in your deck building and say that, okay, I'm going to be red entirely for red and six. It's the only card of red card. I'm going to put in my deck. I refuse to, I won't put Ragavan in. I won't put drag. I won't succumb to the temptation to put all these red cards in and make it kind of like a pure three color deck. Exactly. Exactly what you were saying. Like the kind of just eating away at those slots for utility lands in your Elvish reclaimer deck really does kind of take its toll on how, how well the deck performs overall. I'm sure maybe you gain a bit back by you know having the power of Ren and Six in your deck and that kind of Ren and Six plus Saga interaction. Yeah. But isn't the Bounce Land plus Saga almost the same thing? You know, how many times do you really need to rebuy those as Saga in a game to to make it to make it a beating? Well it doesn't even look like there's that many targets to to go tutor for with the the third the third chapter of Saga anyway in this deck. So you kind of run out inevitably anyway. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And I think something important is that just because, well, like Pat's kind of saying, I mean, Witherblooming Command, Witherbloom Command, get back one saga is good enough. Like, you don't have to run in six back a saga so many times. But also, I think, honestly, the game plan of Jund versus Black Green Saga is completely different. I mean, Jund, you're trying to tap out every turn, whereas I feel like with the Saga deck, you're looking to get a saga. Like, you're either looking to get a board early on or saga changes the way you play because you're not going to cast spells if you can make constructs and i'd rather have a load of removal in my hand and a saga on the table than a saga on the table and a bloodbraid elf and a renin six and and a coligan's command for example i'd rather have a load of pushes and and low cmc things to do in between getting constructs and i think that's why you don't splash red because the game plan is so different from what you're trying to do when Urza Saga is one of your win conditions. Yeah. Also, not all Ren decks are created equal. You know, Ren, Ren and Jaunt is not the same as Ren and Four Color, where you have Omnath, you literally want to make a land drop for every turn of the game uh, until turn, you know, whatever, because of, of Urion. Yeah, you get, you get, no, 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 you remember, you have so many more land in your deck to fetch out as well. So, like, you, you can just keep activating your fetch land over and over again. Yeah. You're also going to, you know, lose less games to Blood Moon. You get to fetch out your basics uh, more often when you're playing two colors. So, 
it's just all these little things that, that just add up. And even though when you look on paper, like, yeah, why not just add red? It's not costing you much, but so I, I guess, you know, I'm not saying black green is necessarily better than, than John Sagavan, even though that deck's kind of fell out of favor, but um, you know, I guess the Lurus ban had to do with it, even though maybe maybe Season Power Mancer is still underplayed under, you know, people have not quite um, moved on from Lurus. You, you do see Season Power Mancer here and there. I know, Pat, I'm mean, a big fan of the card. I know you're a big fan of the cards. I, I adore it. I've never I haven't cast it a huge number of times in my life, but I just adore it. It's such you, a magic card. Do you still play it when you play Merktide? No, I haven't had any space for it lately. Okay. Uh, my my, my Merktide list have kind of basically reverted to the main of uh, what other people are doing. I'm still not as high on Archmage's Charm as the kind of winning list at the moment. I mean, I see three is a relatively common number between the preliminary results yeah. and, you know, the top eights here and uh, in the challenge and the showcase over the weekend. But yeah, largely I've not found space for that card uh, yeah. in, in a while. I think I prefer to have access to the kind of card like Fury, which essentially does the double the double kind of duty that Season Pyromancer was trying to do. So if, if, if you haven't listened to some older episodes of the cast, my argument for Season Pyromancer in, in Blue Red Merktide was that it's it's really good in the games that you really want Blood Moon and against Graveyard Hate. So you can kind of, you know, cast it when you have a lot of red sources in play because there's not very many ways of taking advantage of having lots of red mana in play in the deck. It cycles away cards that you can't cast, obviously, if you've had to Blood Moon early. It cycles away dead Blood Moons. So it looked like, it, on paper, it felt really good. And, like, I did beat Blue White a few times with it and brought it in here and there, and it was good yeah. for me. But finding space has been diff difficult lately and fury has just done the, roughly the same thing i mean i can pitch excess blood moons to it i can cast it when all my lands you know i'm just playing a bunch of lands out with under blood moon and no one's doing anything it clears up you know it, it's good against graveyard hate because it just you just put it into play and it kills something and you have a, th a three three double striker so that that card's kind of taken its slot even though they don't necessarily explicitly do the same thing in the same matchups yeah that might be the card i'm looking at in the sideboard of four color, actually, if I'm trying to improve my Hammer Town matchup, just, mo just maybe more Furies. More Furies maybe. I don't know about if it's more Furies, more Force of Vigor, which one's impactful. Probably a mix is good. I feel like if I was playing Blue Red Merktide, I would have so many one ofs in my main deck. I, I could see myself having the one Blood Moon, the one Season Power, the one Fury, the one Force of Negation, you know, maybe one Snapcaster Mage. I feel like it makes sense to, you know, just one Blood Moon, one Season Power, one Fury. They're, it's not really a card you need to draw more than one in almost against anyone, and they kind of pitch to each other, and I feel like it might it might work nicely, honestly. Yeah, right right now I think my blue my my blue red has one one fury in the side and none in the main. I've got the three charms in the main at the moment. I just do not I'm not enjoying it. My one of slots are an extra land, so I have nineteen land, uh, an yeah. extra archmage charm, and then that's it. Those are my two spare slots. Yeah, it's... I do really want to try. Snapcaster in this deck though, because I, I guess like maybe we just jump out, jump over from challenge to the super super qualifier. Uh, Yendrick, who you know, kind of friend of the podcast, came second, so qualified for the PT with a relatively interesting take on Merktide Regent that is probably worth talking about a little bit. Yeah, I mentioned it a bit earlier, but why uh, don't you? Yeah, so this is like so, so Yendrick's playing kind of Jeskai Merktide, which has you know. Is flashing white really lightly for like two prismatic ending and two to fairy time reveler off just off of two hallowed fountains and then rather than having any dragon reaches channeler he has uh three staff custom mage two jason my sculptor in the main along with kind of four archmage's charm four counter spell 
and then no lightning bolts, just four unholy heat, and two spirit panic ending, obviously, is his removal. And so this is kind of like pre-boarded blue-red control deck, essentially, with a small concessions made to popularity of decks like Living End and all the other Cascade decks like Rhinos as well by having some main deck to fairy time revelers. Uh, obviously, he's done really well. Um, you know, it's a great result. And I watched a little bit of him play this on stream prior to him winning. And I was skeptical of particularly two expressive iteration. That's a number that, you know, you know, it sets up alarm bells in my head that if you put two expressive iteration into a blue-red deck, that you what are you doing? Or a fish, you know, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like a huge fish move, hey. And so... <laughs> I flagged it with him in the chat. And he's like, maybe three. And I was like, I still wasn't buying it. But the way he's built his deck, there's not so many great one mana play, proactive one mana plays that you can that you can make because one of the problems with iteration, I guess, is to get two cards out of it, you either need to be making that land drop off of the exile card or be casting the you know a cheap spell essentially off of it. And if his deck is purely reactive and you know going up the curve in terms of expensive cards, I can kind of understand the argument for swapping out expressive iteration for Archmage's Charm. But still, I kind of just think he's a fish. But the the big takeaway, I think, is that Snapcaster Mates looks awesome. And I kind of want to get back to trying some in Merktide. Maybe one or two copies. Just yeah. you know, Snap, Snapcaster Lightning Bolt, Snapcaster Heat, Snapcaster Archmage's Charm, Snapcaster Counterspell. And when I was thinking about my Merktide list, which would have Snapcaster, I was almost considering just maybe kind of like splitting the difference on considers and thought scours as well to just kind of open up the number of one-offs i have access to in any given game with my snapcaster mage in my deck but i'm not sure if i'm going to willing to go that far but i think i'll definitely be trying some number of snapcaster in the immediate future in, in at least blue red murktide inspired by this deck of yandrix yeah i've been impressed by the card in blue white control was especially march of the otherworldly light that's so... right yeah because that, that deck was all about you know it moved away from it so heavily for so long and now it's kind of you know there's enough kind of like utility instance that it's kind of worth playing again i guess yeah we're at the kind of a cycle or i don't know if it's a cycle but people are playing archmage charm uh, they're trying to play them in four color again hmm. was um you know where what you do i think is basically you you don't play all the shock lands you play mostly the blue ones and you tweak the mana base a bit I know that's what uh, you know. Philip, our, our patron, was, was playing in in Berlin, and I've yep. seen that list uh, go around a bit. Also, had shout out to to Brittany, uh, Brittany MTG. She's been crushing. A Magic Online was a version of Rhino was Archmage Charm and uh, Gershi, Emmanuel Gershenson used that list. I don't know if he got it from her or if it was from from somewhere else, but he topped it. One of the challenge was that Rhino list was uh, four charms in the main deck. So yeah, this 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 uh, charm rhino deck seems a pretty scary deck to play against. Yeah, just uh, another right. powerful three mana spell that rewards you for you know trying to like you know, play playing a solid tempo game, which this this rhino deck does a good job of. Yeah, the rhino deck's pretty good at at playing at instant speed. I know when I play against was four color against it, it's a super tough matchup. I have a lot of explosives in my sideboard, you know, three or four explosives just because. I think that without that, the matchup's just not good. Either that, or you need a bunch of vetoes and fluster storm. But you need you need you need the help of your sideboard in, in that matchup for sure. Um, yeah, I guess um, I don't know. I think I'm. That's it for me as far as modern goes. I don't know if I you I guys. Have I have one thing. So this is just completely off the wall. I have, I played one match last night against of Magic on Live Modern and. Um, I, I queued up against a deck I've never seen before and I just wanted to kind of flag it as 
really awesome and really cool. So I played against someone called The Fan on Magic Online. And they're playing Bant kind of, some kind of Bant combo. So they have, the combo essentially is Tameshi Reality Architect, which is a card from Neon Dynasty, which is like a three mana two, three uh, legend that says, has one white X, return a land you control to its owner's hand and return an artifact or enchantment with mana value X or less from the graveyard to the battlefield. And whenever a non-creature permanent is returned to your hand, draw a card. So basically what they, the combo is, they get Lotus, uh, Lotus Bloom into the graveyard and Tameshi Reality Architect into play and just essentially make two mana every for every land they have in play and then cast uh, Cultivator Colossus and replay all their lands again. And yeah. huh. I've never seen this before and I had no idea what was going on. My opponent had like Wargate in their deck as well, which like is like uh, one of each of the bad manas and X tutor for a permanent with mana cost X and put it into play. And so they'll go and get Lotus, Lotus Bloom for three mana and like they have access to Teferi Time Raveler and you know really 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 like wild crazy deck and it beat me 2-0 because in game one i had no idea what the hell was going on yeah and then in game two i they just like like landed the fairy time raveler with some protection and just went off through it went, went, went off with that and like so there's obviously access to like powerful cards in those protect your combo and i don't know it's the sort of thing where like you only really needed one card in play or one card in a graveyard so had access to uh, Goblin Engineer as well to kind of tutor for the Lotus Bloom. Uh, Wargate, obviously, to tutor for it. I just wanted to kind of flag that deck as something really cool. And so if you're looking through the deck dumps and you see something by the fan, which... My friend, my maybe... friend, I need to stop you right there. Yeah. You don't spend enough time on Twitter or you don't follow the right people. It's a... Okay, that's it's good. A, it's, it's, a Mark, a... it's a Mark Tobias special. Ah, very good. He's uh, been well, I, he's, he's he's been playing that shell and experimenting with different yeah, uh, okay. things, and he's he's been he's been crushing leagues. Look, you you've you've uh, boosted my ego by saying I don't spend enough time on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he, he's tried uh, the Colossus top end. He's tried Bolo Citadel top end. He has uh, Bring to Light in, in the deck too. To I guess to find pieces of a combo, whether it's Lotus. Oh no, you can't get artifacts, right? Anyways. Card's called Faith Reward. I'm not even sure what it does, but yeah. <laughs> he, uh, you know, at Mark Tobias on Twitter, he streams occasionally. Um, you know, he probably streamed that that deck. Uh, I think he streamed that, that list uh, this past week. I don't know if his VODs are yeah. sub only or whatnot, but yeah, like, definitely. I haven't seen I haven't seen Tobias streaming streaming that that or uh, recently, but I have I have seen him play kind of uh, the the Esper Arreo combo deck that was. Um, yeah, you know, you know, just before Modern Horizons Two came out, he was—that's what he played, and he's also like plays a lot of Underworld Breach combo. Yeah, yeah. So kind of a crazy brewer. I didn't realize it was one of his decks, but I played against someone else. Clearly, clearly, that person is a fan of uh, yeah of Mark Tobias. <laughs> but exactly. it, was, it was sick, and it, and it brutalized me as well. And so I just kind of wanted to just talk a little bit about that before we kind of moved on from Modern. Oh yeah, good good call actually. First time in my life, I'm excited about a brew. I'm never gonna play it, but it was cool. Yeah, I might have to give it a try. One of us probably needs to give it a try. Yeah, definitely. It just looked like it had like a reasonable amount of staying power. At the very yeah. least, like just just bet having access to like main deck to fairy time revel, it means like your combo is like kind of safe by default. Yeah, you know, going along, and then like you don't really want to spend your time kind of fighting over like war like lotus blooms or anything like that. So. Because it needs to be in the graveyard anyway, so they wind up getting an overwhelming mana advantage pretty easily as well. So I was, yeah, I had a lot of elements going for it that, that I thought were really cool. Yeah, I guess the last thing about modern and 
New Capina, you know, they don't, they haven't spoiled a ton of cards, mostly the Trons and the Charms, but I guess we should talk about the Charms real quick. Yeah, good call. Long story short, I think the Junt one's the only one that has true potential. All the other ones are pretty much no card advantage, overpaying for every ability. The abilities are like somewhat narrows. The Junt one is, you know, decent removal, possibly trades up in mana because it gets rid of their most expensive planeswalker or creature. It's potentially Ancestral Recall um, if you get lucky on the second mode, where which is kind of a, an instant speed light up the stage uh, for free cards. And also Exiles targets player's graveyard, so it's nice, uh, you know, main deck graveyard hate. Band Charm also has a draw two mode, so maybe that one has a little potential, you know? Maybe in, in band decks where you don't quite want to stretch the mana to cast Archmage Charm. Because, you know, Archmage Charm is probably much better than any of these blue charms, but it might be tougher to cast. It, it does have three relevant modes. Draw 2 is nice. Destroy Enchantment, obviously against Ursus Saga, nice. And then, you know, bad-ish removal spell, but still removal. So, yeah. I don't know if you guys feel any differently about any of the charms or... Uh, I think I think you're probably right. After after sitting down and thinking about the kind of... If you look at the, you know, the Esper one and... I've heard people talking about the Esper one, but thinking more about it, it's just really hard for you to re- do anything resembling modern power level with it. Although it does have like you know, obvious flexibility, it looks like it has like a lot of spots where it'd be good. It's still in just a three mana spell that kind of trades one for one, and you know that's not really what modern is about these days. I do really, I, I think that John Charm is really good though. You don't even have to get particularly lucky. I think like even in the late game, it kind of acts like expressive iteration in a lot of respects. You just end a turn. Cast it, untap, just play three spells. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, like I, only, it's only not a draw three if you hit two land, right? True. I mean, I, I think that I like that they're not obvious. Like, I could easily see any of these, like... Okay, not any of these. I can easily see some of them being played in modern, but I, I don't really have much to add, but I think that it's so funny how much hate, <laughs> Gav, you and I got for analysis of the Esper Charm. I don't know oh, why really? people. Yeah, people take it so personally when you say the Esper charm is is bad. It was like, uh, was what that in it? the comments of yeah, the card yeah. market video? Yeah, oh, I didn't I, realize. I, I, I didn't found go and a, check them out. Yeah, a couple comments were like, "What do you mean trade down on mana?" And they they were like, "There are cards in modern that are three mana and one mana that win the game. I don't care how much mana I'm playing on my removal spell as long as I'm stopping my opponent from winning the game. That's all that matters." Like, this card really, is good yeah i really i really like that uh what do you mean trade down on that i will like it's like very easy to explain yeah it was it was joke so for those listening if you do take it personally i would love this esper charm to be good but i just don't think it's great yeah also og esper charm is just pretty solid honestly yeah yeah, yeah. there's already esper charms gonna fight against right yeah, I don't know. I feel like a lot of a lot of Magic players are like, oh, I think this card is fun. And then they're like, because it's fun, it's good. And then maybe one of us is like, oh, it's not great. They'll be like, what? You suck. You know nothing about Magic. I, I think this all, card is fun. It's mostly tied to the colored mana symbols in the top corner, I think, than any of the text on the card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, Esper players, just, they, it's got Esper mana. It's probably pretty good. Tower Gargoyle, Powerhouse. Yeah, but I'm, they're, I'm excited. They're just emotionally attached, pre-emotionally attached to the card. It wasn't even printed. The newest coming, you're like, it's got to be good. Come on, it's good. Yeah. Oh, I refuse to believe it's bad. 
you know, just like Naya players that are emotionally attached to the fact that their charm was going to be bad, and it was. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> it's yeah. probably better than Nesper charm, honestly. Well, the one thing I guess that I like about the the Bant charm is that it it says what target creature you control gets plus one plus zero oh, until end of turn. It deals damage. So I mean, Ice Fang Kodal can just kill a lot of things, right? If if it has the Death Touch, it's the only yeah, thing I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, it's probably gonna come up in kind of like one every like 20, 20 times you cast a spell or whatever. But it's it's still not 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 like zero text, you know, considering yeah. you probably maybe have Omnath in your deck or whatever if you if you play that card. Yeah, I, I definitely think the John one is good though. The prospect I mean, of drawing yeah. three off edict is uh, pretty powerful. They, they probably had to balance them somewhat for standards. So it's understandable they are not busted, but I was thinking maybe the band charm could have the first mode could have given lifelink as well. Mm. You know, you could you yeah. could have you could yeah, have yeah. pushed Turning them. into a bit of a bit of life bolstering, so it's like pretty obviously set up for some kind of mid rangey control deck then. Like yeah. if if Broker Charm had like lifelink on the first mode and destroy just naturalize straight up on the second mode, you know, now we're now we're talking about maybe that's that's actually maybe a little too us. good. Look at us. A bunch of spikes in the development corner. Right okay, here. not to even add to the brewing, but if you think about it, as it's an instant, if you evoke solitude, you can kill another creature while solitude's on the table, right? Look at you, there's your lifelink for free, Gab. Yeah. So you gain okay. four life, kill a creature, and exile a creature. Wow, look at us hyping up Band Charm, exactly. Broker's yeah, Charm. Pretty I'm... full copies on card market right now. Well, what, I'm what wondering, you... how often do you not draw two cards in four color with Archmage's Charm? Right? I don't know, I would say you draw... Maybe in four color is different. In, in blue-white control, you probably draw like half the time, maybe a bit more. Yeah, in blue-red, you'd, you'd probably draw like a third of the time, maybe, maybe less. Okay, because logically speaking, if you only draw half the time with this Bant Charm, wouldn't it be similar power level? No, because the other half of the time you can't spell. Yeah, I'm just... Yeah. The modes are much better, right? Can't spell is like a very, very, very good magic card. Yeah, I'm only think I'm only thinking that maybe Broker's Charm might be slight, maybe better in some cases because, in technically speaking, it's more castable with Omnath. It's definitely but... better if they have enchant than you want to destroy. But I, I understand. What you, I understand what you're saying. Um, I think that we have been very generous in our ability to construct corner cases and fanciful scenarios <laughs> where this card is worth having in our decks. Yeah, but. It's all tied to the fact that it draws to it instant speed, and that's you know, that that's giving it legs. The other the other charms, other than the John charm, obviously don't have this kind of card advantage. Yeah. yeah. Option available to them, so they're going to really be restricted in how 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 much how good they can be in formats outside of standard. I think. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I think a good way to end off this section, I guess, is like, why don't we rank the charms one to five? This is a good suggestion from Twitch chat. Five. Esper. All right. I'll go Junt Charm yeah. into Ben Charm. And the other fjord that's tied for dead last. <laughs> right, okay. I'm going to go Jund, Band, Esper, Maya, Grixis, because Grixis just looks fucking awful. <laughs> yeah. But Grixis players are used to that. Really? I feel like the Grixis one might be the third best one, actually. What does it do? It has like three okay, free usable modes, like removal, impulse, and. But isn't that the criticism? Of, isn't that the criticism of the of the of the Esper charm as well? Or are we just kind of like? 
being more harsh to Esper because it's like been more historically a well, political uh, I, I like that at least the Grixis charms that not conditional, you know? It's like versatile and you're always gonna be able to use it. I mean you I literally might have games where you have your Esper charm and it just doesn't do anything. It's true, you can't actually cycle. It's the actually Esper Charm's the only time you can't cycle. Right, okay, it's done. Esper Charm fifth place, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> that is Should we move, true. We move on to a format where they might actually be vaguely playable, except for Esper Charm. Well, I was going to do the same segue, but go ahead. <laughs> All right. So, obviously, Pioneer, a format we should we'll talk about in probably increasing quantity as time goes forward and we get more and more experience playing the format again. But um, these charms in Pioneer probably have slightly more application other than Esper Charm, which has no application. Right, it's like, I can't I can't resist the beats. I mean, you can't even get back to Fairy Time Reveler in that format with Esper Charm because it's bad. <laughs> True. Uh-huh. What are you going to do with yourself? <laughs> so Pioneer, I guess. I, I've been Pioneer's largest proponent on the podcast, not just due to my physical prowess. But um, it's back. Uh, queues are four times more populated than they were prior to the OP announcement. So there was like just under 200 people in a, in a Pioneer League on Magic Online prior to this OP announcement. Now there's close to 800. And so obviously people have picked the format back up and, you know, well, they're, st- they're coming back to the format and figuring out what, what what's happened in the you know two years since uh, they last looked at it. And I've been playing a bunch. I've played a, a bunch with blue-white control, which has been kind of, you know, one of the top decks. Uh, Luis Salvato top aided one of the, the showcase challenges last week with an, a Yorion version. And I picked that copy up and I've played a lot of mirror matches, both 80 card and 40 card in leagues. I've played against other control decks. I've played against Winota. Basically, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of like pretty well-established decks in Pioneer that you probably just haven't heard about. I mean, Blue Red Phoenix is really good. Naya Winota is like probably one of the strongest decks in the format. Uh, Blue White Control, obviously, is really good. And then there's Red Black Sacrifice decks as well. And then a whole bunch of stuff, unexplored space in between that, like between kind of Niv-Mizzet, which, uh, you know, continues to evolve, and then probably a whole bunch more that there's no, w- without having a critical mass of people working on the format, there's not really been a, not, a huge amount of innovation in that respect. But my experience playing Blue White Control is that deck is powerful, not particularly remarkable. I think this is my first time playing with the Wandering Emperor, and that card is really good. I've been really impressed. Um, and just generally, you know, blue and white cards plus a companion has been good enough for me in the leagues that I've played. Have you played a bunch, Gab? Have you, I think you played like a league or two with Niv Mizzet, right? Yeah, exactly. I played two, live, two, le- two leagues with Niv. I used a Claudio H list that he top aided a challenge top four. Uh, I don't remember exactly, maybe one. Anyways, um, you know, I asked him if he would change anything. He said no. And the deck was okay-ish for me. I, I think I actually just went 5-5 f- five, five overall. I was mulliganing a lot, so I feel like I was probably getting a, a little unlucky. I don't feel like the mana base is that bad. You're playing, you know, a 60-card six, deck, and you have 14 source of green, 14 blue, 13, 13, and 12 white. So not, not too bad. And you're all you're playing all dual lands. You know, that's not counting, like, Fabled Passage or Pathways, which are, which are only one color, so... It's quote unquote real, uh, real color count, and I kept having to mulligan. I want to say I mulligan on average once a game, and th- the deck still still was okay. Uh, I would I was playing a version with just one Omnath and no Fable Passage, and I think 
I would like to explore the the fabled passage version was more on math maybe if I was to to work on the deck. Having the extra trumps might help you a bit too. It's kind of fun, but can be also tedious too to figure out the the right combination of mana because there's so many. It's it's, it's interesting. That it's like a fun little puzzle. There's so many little things to think about. You need to think about you know all your double colored spells and which which dual lands to play if you have omnath in the mix then you you want as few black dual lands as possible you want to try to play not more than two of each color combo of dual lands whether it's the shock land or the the you know the the check land so for example you don't i don't think you want to play more than the combined two temple garden plus sun petal grove because anytime you draw two of them you might run into issues. Imagine you draw a Sun Petal Grove, a, t- a Temple Garden, and the Avs on Triumph, then all of a sudden maybe you're not casting uh, casting the spells you want to cast and stuff. But It's certainly much more of a puzzle than it is in Modern, where just you know, fetch lines tie the whole room together and you know, that you have access to, you know, have your cake and eat it to it. Yeah. yeah. Whereas here, it's kind of there's like, you know, large numbers of Triumphs, and, and presumably the Triumphs from uh, new Kappa, whatever it is, Streets of... I don't know, whoever. Who cares? Streets of streets of no caps. Yeah. Yeah, streets of no capper. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's fine. Um Yeah, those those probably uh change things up. Honestly, every time I think about these five color mana bases, I just want to just put my head in the sand and forget about it. And I'm so glad that someone else spends the time trying to figure it out and it's not me having to do it. But yeah, I definitely definitely a, a challenging puzzle as to kind of exactly how many sources of what you can get away with. I'm surprised if Honestly, I was actually surprised to learn that Omnath was still legal in the format to begin with uh, when, I, when I came back. I had, I had this kind of vague idea in my mind that it had been banned in that kind of wave of bans that happened after um, after the combo bans. So they're kind of where they banned Fairy Time Raveler and um, uh, Wilderness Reclamation and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. That was definitely the saddest part of, of the deck is when I drew the one Omnath, you basically don't have a way to play more than one lands. I mean, you can play Gross Spiral, but that's that's about it. And I, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed playing the deck. Uh, as I said, I, I didn't do super well, but Pioneer looked cool. I played against a lot of different decks. Some of the, the kind of tier one decks like Lotus Field. I actually beat Lotus Field twice, just on the strengths of the sideboard card. I think I was bringing in 13 of my 15 sideboard cards. I had Deafening Silence, I had Lavinia, I had Kambal, and, you know, Counterspells, Dispute, Thoughtseize, et cetera, et cetera. Dispute was really good for me out of the sideboard. I only had two, but I felt like I played against a Dispute matchup every round, whether it was Spirits, I played against a, a Nesper Flash deck, a pretty cool build, actually. They were playing the Flash uh, build around cards, you know, the the one that reduces casting cards, the one that draws you a card whenever you play a spell. And they got to play, you get to play um, the new Planeswalker now. You get to play the Wandering Emperor as a, gives you a, that extra dimension where you're not just a bunch of flash creatures. You get a, a powerful Planeswalker as, as well that 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 benefits from, you know, the cost reduction and the card draw. So that, was a, that was a really cool deck I played against. Um yeah, I played I played a couple of Maris too. And I played against Blue White a couple of times. It was fun. I actually got to 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 lose a match to the, the Planeswalker bug. Maybe some of you saw that for a few hours or Planeswalkers were unkillable. You couldn't kill them in combat. Hmm. And uh I lost and my opponent was not very cool about it. They just 
kept using their planeswalker. I even reached out in chat to them, asking them, you know, obviously this is bug. Can you stop using your planeswalker? And I, I just lost because they just, yeah, just kind of throw it out. I guess. <laughs> mm -hmm. Where it was, yeah. That's, that that didn't last very long, but it must have been a very strange time. To, to People were out of the planeswalkers. Yeah, I, I think we all should have just jammed. Gideon of the Trials. Yeah, Gideon of the Trials. <laughs> but people were saying this was the big Planeswalker nerf since they're printed, right? To make it so that, uh, to actually make it so they can take damage again. That's right. But yeah, I'm, what is it? Pat, you said you have to go soon because of work commitments. I'm sure you guys can hear the banging in my house as they've just started work underneath my room again. I can't so hear good. anything, actually. Oh, well, sadly, Pat has a life unlike me. But um, True. what is it? Overall, though, my thoughts on Pioneer, I think the most common question that I keep seeing is like, is Pioneer back? Is Pioneer going to be solved? What is your? What are you guys doing with Pioneer? I don't know about you, Gab, but I've seen Spike streaming Pioneer. I'm planning to do Pioneer content when I come back. My there exams. Two thousand people watching Spike play Pioneer. Like, that's, yeah, it was sick. That's not to be. That's not to be trifled with. That's that's a lot of eyeballs. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I'm the, hyper the focused. Oh, sorry. Yeah. The, the announcement is having its effect. I had a, a French player in in, ch in my chat yesterday who came and said hi, and I was like, oh, the PT announcement got you back. He was like, yeah, his name is Julien Steele. And I don't remember exactly, but I feel like he might be one of these players that got Giga screwed when they changed to MPL, where he was kind of rising in the ranks and doing and he was doing really well. And he, 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 he might have been one of these you know, players who was you know, silver, gold, or whatever it was. And so... Nothing, yeah. Yeah, you were talking about four times the people in the Pioneer Leagues, people coming back. So so we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully the, the, the terms run well, the orgs uh, do a good job. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited for this stuff. You know, the ret return to Bay and Magic over the next year. And I'm hoping that I get a chance to come and play one of these kind of monthly, European monthly ones. At some yeah. point in the future, I don't think it's unreasonable to expect that it's gonna that I'm gonna be at our ten one every now and then, yeah. and play some local tournaments, try and qualify for this regional thing. I think that's kind of I, I'm excited to be back. I think I, having, I do. having something to having something to, to strive for that kind of also scratches the itch of going out and doing something social. I think is much yeah. easier to to sell to myself and to other people, to the family as well, than just sitting locked away in the bedroom for eight hours on Magic Online, being like, I'm trying to qualify for this thing that will qualify for me for another thing. I can sit in the side of the house for. Yeah, I do wish the, the European org was not called Legacy. It makes everything very confusing. I don't be confusing. I just thought that these were all Legacy tournaments to yeah. figure out what was going on. It's bad too because they put legacy in the name of every tournament. Like, okay, yeah, cool. I mean, I get it's your org and the brand yeah. and stuff, and maybe you want your name out there, but you understand yeah. that it has kind of connotations. On that, on that note, I when I was kind of playing really regularly in in Australia, I was playing for a, a local kind of like online retailer came to me and like they they offered to sponsor a bunch of us. Uh, to go play the PDQ circuit, basically, I have no idea why they wanted to throw money at us, but it's fine they did. But they were called, they called themselves Sneak and Show, so named after some legacy deck. As honestly, you know, without being you know trying to be disrespectful to those guys because they're incredibly generous uh, to us, but it was truly one of the worst names you can possibly have for a company is like named after some deck in the format. Yeah. <laughs> What's funny is there, there there used to be a game store in the UK called Sneak Attack Games. I'm pretty sure. Of course. Yeah, yet, yet another terrible naming decision. 
just I, yeah. I, I, can't, I can't abide it. I, I cannot get by it. Behind it. I, I just hope these orgs do a good job and it's not like kind of a bunch of cash grabs and they feel like they have kind of a monopoly and I'm, I'm a little worried about that. Mm. I also... I did, I did think it was a little bit strange that they were kind of handing kind of sole kind of responsibility for how to run any of these things over to kind of individual companies and just washing their hands of it. But at the same time, I think there's going to be, I, w I would like to imagine that there's kind of checking in on how it's going. So, you know, maybe you know, after there's the annual review or whatever, how did you do? And because presumably they're not signed, these companies aren't signed up for like one year contracts. They're probably going to be on kind of like three or four year contracts yeah. to run these things and, and build something. But hopefully that's kind of review process where, you, you know, once he goes like, hey, you know, you, we've had a lot of player complaints about yeah. you know, value for money here. You need to kind of, you know, think about what you're offering for, what? for the price. But anyway, I'm just excited to just have tournaments run again, to be perfectly frank. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is that running a tournament series is so expensive. From who I've talked to and people that run Magic tournaments, it seems like you're lucky if you break even on an event like this, so... I presume that you have to have a ton of cash to even consider hosting these, and that's why it'll probably be the same orgs because they only have the money to do it. But yeah, that's not yeah. the massive number of people who can afford to run these things in the first place to afford the upfront collateral, or upfront cash. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely a tough a tough business to be in. But what's even tougher is winning life on the line, and also the Price is Right. The Price is Right, Jesus. Okay, we should do a pioneer card for Price is Right because it would change massively. Okay. What? Okay. Well, let's do the prices right. For those new listening, we literally play the prices right. It doesn't matter if you go over; it's the closest to the price wins. We but get the price of the card from Car Market. What card do you want to do, Pat? Hmm. Arclight Phoenix. Ooh. It's a good one. Okay, I've got a price in my head. Yeah, me too. Me too. Okay, three. Two, one, six. Twelve ten. euro. Ooh, six, twelve, I, and ten. I thought twelve to fifteen. I was like, well, I always overshoot it, so I'm gonna like divide that by two thirds. Now when it was ten. Okay, our card on card market average price of the past seven days is seven euros and fifty cents. Yeah, Your oh, champion, exactly. Harry Koo, knower of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> That's a massacre, To be fair, that isn't bad. The cheapest English playset is from Italy at twenty-eight euros. Right. Fair That's enough. pretty good. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe I should buy him. Yeah, that actually is a shout. I mean, if you're going to be playing the paper PT, Phoenix is definitely not getting banned unless okay, they play brainstorm. In the paper PT. Yeah, I don't know. Yes, That's sick. Cool. Okay. All right. So you life the on the line. Yeah. For those who are listening, life on the line, theoretical tournament tomorrow, win the event you live, lose you die, got to bring a deck from every format we talked about today, so Modern and Pioneer. I guess I'll start things off, I'm quite simple when it comes to these things. In Modern, I'll play four color control with Yorion and Eladomri's Call and Bragavet. I'll probably just net deck a list. Then in Pioneer though, I actually really like red decks, I'm sure you guys know by now in Pioneer. Um, I'll just take the first place Pioneer Super Qualifier deck by Island Go Sam. Um, yeah, I'm a simple Wait, guy. Island, Island Go was playing Super Mono Red? Island Go Sam E. I don't know um, how you pronounce the name, but yeah. Um, I feel like that's the equivalent of one kind of like using like Mono Red sleeves and playing like with that control. 
<laughs> yeah. Okay, what about you, Gab? In modern, I'm going to play four-color Omnath, even though I do feel like maybe Blue-White Hammer Tom is where it's at. And in Pioneer, what's... I guess I'll just play Nev trying to head, but make, make some tweaks, maybe try and play some more Omnath and Fatal Passage. And... Mm -hmm. Right, so for I'm going to play Blue-Red Tide in, in, in modern, and then in Pioneer, I'm going to play... I think I would play Naya Winota if I really, really needed to win the tournament right now. I think that deck is super powerful, super proactive, super consistent. Sick. Okay, to finish things off, Gab, where can we find you on the internet? Yeah, Twitter at Gab Nassif, um, twitch.tv slash yellowhat for the stream. Okay, sick. You can find me anywhere on the internet at HarryMTG, but more importantly, you can find me and Gab on the Car Market YouTube channel this week. Um, and a few people have constantly been asking, Harry, when are you streaming again? Harry, when are you streaming again? May oh, yeah. 25th. Do you know when our videos are going up? I think they're trying to upload one video a week. Okay. Till they run out. So, I mean, for me, I think it's, I'm two videos a week, but you were there for less time than me, so you're one a week. But yours are way, way harder to edit, right? Because yours is mostly gameplay, so I'm not sure. I'm guessing one a week on Card Market's channel, but don't quote me on that. Uh, Pat, what about you? Uh, you can find me clearing out of this college office and then going to do the job that I'm paid for. <laughs> awesome. You made it this far into the episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. As well as it's great to have the full cast back. Hopefully it'll be continuing yeah. like this. We can keep doing regular things even in the Sick. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll catch you guys next time. Peace. Take care, everyone.